0: Hey there, and welcome to our podcast. And thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we wanna remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. At this time, we reserve this time to open up God's Word. Who's thankful for God's Word? This isn't man's Word, but it's God's Word. And that's why we take time to study, to preach, to teach, to even sing about it. Uh, we've been in a series of about, to, uh, excuse me, uh, Follow Jesus And, uh, sort of, sort of building that on our theme, which is to be rooted in Jesus Christ. We've been, uh, just diving into his ministry, and we've really been focusing, God sort of kept us, as he has this morning, on the Sermon on the Mount, and looking at, um, his teachings. And, of course, we'll be diving into a lot of his miracles coming up soon, and, um, I just want to encourage you to just listen to Christ. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with listening to Christ. And um, so please overlook my uh, scratchy, fading voice and just listen to the Lord uh, today. So, uh, Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be in verse 6. I'm not one to drink a lot of water behind the pulpit, but today's probably going to be an exception. So uh, it's one, one of those days, but uh, excited to be here and open up God's Word with you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 6 through verse 20. Okay? Uh, if you're there, say amen. amen. <clears throat> All right. God's Word says this this is, G, this is Jesus talking. Remember. This is the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to his followers, a disciple is a follower, a learner of Jesus Christ. And so that is his audience, not necessarily saying that everyone would be a true follower, but I'd say this would be a mixed crowd. Um, Whenever there's true followers, sometimes there's just some interested, not necessarily following at this point, but interested, so you can imagine a mixed crowd. So I would say this. All of you need to listen to Jesus today, okay? Um, I would encourage you to be a follower today, all right? Not just uh, uh, someone interested, but becoming a believer in Christ and a follower of Christ, okay? Uh, verse 6 Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now, before I keep going, uh, we just came out of talking about judgment and judging others. Should we judge? Should we not? What does that look like in the life of the believer? We understood that, yes, judgment is a crucial point of the believer's life, but how do we do that that's healthy for us, uh, glorifying to God, and helps lead others to Christ, all right? And so we unpacked that. But this thought of judging, you know, really is is continuing, okay? So just keep that in mind. Verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given. You seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth; he that speak, uh, seeketh findeth, and to him <clears throat> that knocketh it shall be open. Or what man is there of you, whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a, a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he then be an evil, because we know there's nothing good about man other than Christ alone, if he's received him. So if he then be an evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, and that's, that's an emphasis there, so pay attention to that, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets." Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. In other words, they're camouflaged. But inwardly they are ravening wolves so there's the danger ye shall know them by their fruits do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles even so every tree every good tree bringeth forth good fruit but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit neither neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is Hewn down, or cut down, and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Let's pray. Father, we <clears throat> Father, I'm always in desperate need of your leadership. I can't do this on my own. I, I, I don't desire to do it on my own. I'll mess things up. Father, I need your leadership today, and so does everyone else. Father, I want to to remain true to your text and what it says, what it's meant for us to understand. Um, Father, we're always in a a mixed group of believers and unbelievers. I always believe that. Father, I pray for every believer today that they will understand that, that you are a Father who provides wisdom. And Father, how we need wisdom. And I pray the unbeliever will also understand that there um, is a Savior who loves them, paid their sin debt on the cross, sufficed the justice, your justice, and is willing to save them, give them forgiveness, and position them in life away from your wrath. I pray they would come to you in faith, trusting Christ alone as their Savior. Father, I, do, I pray you'd help my voice today. It is, it is not 100%, and I, I pray you just help me to carry your words today well. And I pray you help me to disappear from the stage that only you would be heard today. And I pray all this in Christ's name, and all of God's people said, Amen <clears throat> who enjoys having clarity you ever just feel like you've got a fog going on up here yeah <laughs> um, Andy uh, I don't think she'll mind me saying this she was uh, uh learning just about some um intolerances she didn't know she had just um you know good 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 gut health is good overall health right I mean that's Take care of you. Got just some intelligence. She's figured out. She goes, you know, after I've took that out of my, seem to be, ta- I'm taking that out of my diet. I just seem to have clarity. Just I don't have mental fog. I Just think more clearly. And um, we need clarity in the Christian life. This world is all about confusion, isn't it? There's This, this is right. That's right. That's right. Everything's right. You know. But we understand. There, not everything is right. There's right and wrong. There's good decisions, bad decisions. There's right roads and bad roads, right? There's, there's true teaching, there's false teaching. We need clarity, and desperately so. And um, I really want to give you three questions, um, and then we'll jump right into the text. At the end of your life, how many of you, and I, I would say t- toward believers at this moment, um, would like to be able to say that at the end of your life, you treated every one of God's children with sacrificial love. How many would be, want, want to be able to say that when you die? That I treated every one of God's children with sacrificial love. I would think we would all want to say yes. I want to be able to say that about my conduct with other believers. First and foremost with believers, but really with everybody, right? Um, how many of you would love to be able to say that you ended your life with confidence that your life was on the path to life. The right path. The Jesus path. Okay. How many of you, this is the last one. How many of you would love to say with confidence that you were able to tell the difference between true and false teaching? Yeah. Okay. So here's the catch. <clears throat> Every one of you can end your life that way. That's a possibility. But we we have to listen listen to what Jesus is telling us in the text today. Okay, You're able to end your life with all of those positive statements. uh, Which would be glorifying to God. Living a great testimony of light to the world. And encouraging to the body of Christ. There's no greater way to end your life than that. Um, But we need to listen to Christ. And really two points is all I have for you today, and the the first one is this, um, God provides wisdom. Amen to that, right? God provides wisdom. Now, as we look back at our text in chapter 7, we're really going to unpack verse 7 through uh, verse 12 here, but we have been talking about judgment and how judgment is important for the believer. We've got to make decisions, we've got to declare certain things as this or that, uh, we are people that are to be separate from the world, but we do live in the world. So we have to be a people of judgment. And, and what we find here, first of all, is this. You look at verse 6. Is that uh, when it comes to judging and needing needing wisdom, um, there's going to be times that you think as a believer um, that you just need to interject in everybody's business. Or that if I interject here, it's going to be profitable. You know, sometimes there's moments where there's going to be areas of life that hey, you're going to cast wealth and pearls, if you will, uh, but really, it's really going to be a waste of your time, and only God has the wisdom of where you should cast the spiritual wealth. There's going to be times where it's just going to be squandered and thrown away, and God knows where it's going—the best ground to sow. Does He not? There's places God's told you to speak to somebody, and other times he's not, he's not led you to do that, hasn't He? God leads, He gives you wisdom on where to cast your pearls, if you will. And because we are sowers out in a field that needs this, needs to, you need to sow on the good ground. And um, so we understand that. And, and, and God provides wisdom. Walking with God, we all need to understand this. Walking with God is a walk of prayer, fellowship, and faith. Amen. Prayer, fellowship, and faith—all three things here, and I'm talking about in our relationship to God. All three things are will really, really gives an understanding of our dependence on God. Prayer, fellowship, and faith toward the Lord. <clears throat> these three areas. How many of you believe that these three areas need to grow? Our prayer, our prayer to God, our fellowship with God, and our faith in God. Yes, they need to grow. But the only way they're going to grow is if you have a deeper understanding of God. Amen? And, and Jesus is, is, is really leading us into understanding who our Heavenly Father is. Because He knows what our prayer life needs to be. He knows how close we need to be to the Father. And He also knows that we need to have a great faith. One person said this, it's better to have a small faith in a great God than a great faith in a small God. And so um, God is big in every sense of the term. But as far as your knowledge of God, he may seem smaller than he actually is. You need to bolster your understanding of God. So therefore, as a result, you're going to bolster your prayer to him. You're going to bolster your fellowship to him and your faith in him. Maybe your faith is weak. It's because you have a weak knowledge of God. Amen. And so he is big. and We need to understand more of him, so we grow in these three areas. Now, now, now look here. Look in verse seven: Ask and it shall be given; seek and ye shall find; knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now, there's a primary purpose here, and I think there's a secondary purpose. Now, let me let me point out the primary purpose. This is this is just uh, um, Bible interpretation one on one. What have we been talking about thus far? Chapter seven. It's about making decisions. It's about making judgment calls. It's about having discernment, right? And so that whole flow of this, of this chapter, now we come to verse 7. He's like, listen, ask, seek, and knock. For what? Wisdom. That's the primary flow here of this text. I'm just let me, get, let me give you sort of a news, uh, news flash here. You're not always the smartest person. I know that's a big shock to you. <clears throat> it was to me too. No. About myself, no. But folks, you don't always make the best decision. You don't always give the best counsel. Because you can get in the flesh. You can be full you 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 can you know give yourself over to, to pride in some moments, right? You don't always but I tell you this the best judge and the 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 perfect judge and the perfect discerner of the hearts is God. And if you're going to make the best decisions and the best judgment calls and have the best discernment, it's not going to just end and begin with you. It needs to begin and end with God. How many decisions are you making without taking anything to God? Decisions about your marriage. Decisions about how you're raising your children. Decisions about where you're going to church. Decisions about God's place in your home. Decisions about how you're spending your money. All of these things how you're handling relationships and problems, situations, the ethics of your Christian life. What are you basing those decisions on? Your IQ? Your experience? Experience doesn't always give you the best decision making. So don't put all your eggs in one basket with experience either. But I guarantee you this, you can put all your eggs in the basket called God. And you'll always come out making the best decision for Him. Now, I'm saying the best decision is always going to make everybody happy, but it sure is going to make the Lord happy. It's going to let your light shine. James 1.5, listen, listen. James 1.5 echoes this. If any of you like wisdom, hey, that's everybody. All right, just throw that out there. If any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God. Why? He goes on to say, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Because you're going back to Matthew chapter 7, it says here, if you ask him, guess what? He's gonna give it to you. If you're seeking the source of where all wisdom flows from, guess what you're gonna find? You're gonna find what you're looking for. If you're, not, if you're going to the door where all wisdom dwells, when you open that door, when you knock at that door, it's going to fly wide open. Why? Because not only is God saying, yes, all wisdom dwells with me, but I am giving it liberally to all who will, will ask, seek, and knock. Folks, I'm telling you, there is no excuse to go out and live ignorant. There's no excuse. Well, I just didn't know. Or there was just no way of knowing. Yes, there is. His name is God. He's omniscient. He knows all things. I mean, he hung all the planets in the, in the sky. I think he knows how to handle your situations. Amen? That goes back to understanding God. Spir- here, here is my fear. And I've, I've, I've been processing this in my mind for quite a while. Spiritual discernment. I truly believe as I watch the body of Christ more and more, and I have my moments in this too, so I'm not exempt. However, spiritual discernment is something that has grown weak in Christian minds. Because we fall more prey to our emotions and what we just want to do or what we think is right or just what our children want. Now it got quiet. All right? No one should rule your home or your life or your parenthood or your marriage other than God. You're going to mess it all up any other way. Folks, let me, let me hear. Let, let me, and this goes back to um, actually a message that Brother Randy preached not too long ago. Here's something you need to understand as a believer. God has great work for you to do. How many of you all believe that? Believe that? God has great work for you to do. But here is the problem. When you are settling for a weak discernment, you are settling for doing less work for God. You are settling to be in a position where God can't trust you with the greater work. Because if he's going to bring you to a greater work, he needs you relying on him more greater than you did, than you were before. We need great, great wisdom, and that comes from him. So if we are seeking him for wisdom, seeking, knocking, right, uh, asking, then we're going to find we're going to be moving into a greater work for God in our life. And folks, that's your purpose as a believer. It's not works of the flesh, it's the work of the Spirit. It's working for God. And you need to now have an appetite for greater wisdom in your life. That should be a desire of your heart. When you understand, dear friend, the goodness of God. And God wants you to have wisdom or He wouldn't provide it. Amen? Understand the goodness of God. When you understand this goodness, this wisdom, and you apply it. I want you to understand, when you apply this, you're able to handle the love of Jesus so much more better. It's a sacrificial love. It's living for Him. That's the, that is the primary purpose of this ask, seek, and knock. But folks, can I tell you something? He goes on to say, hey, you, 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 you dads that are evil. In other words, there's no humanity that's good. Even Jesus says, there's none good, no, not one, but my Father in heaven. He said, and you know how to give to your children good things. How much more? Can we say that together? How much more? There's, there's the key there. How much more above humanity will God give good gifts to those who seek him? Ask and knock. Folks, I, it's, and it's not just wisdom. But folks, as you ask for your daily bread, as Christ instructed his disciples, hey, pray this way. You pray for even other things that is needed in your life. Do you not think God is even more generous than an earthly dad? God never promises for you to be rich. But he will never turn his children away from their needs. Provisions. But folks, let me, let me tell you something. What's, greater, what's a greater need than food or clothing is wisdom. You can have all the clothing and food and money you want and have no wisdom. You are a dangerous individual in society. Because then you're going to give your way to, to the flesh, to pride, to jealousy, and I'm number one. You need wisdom more than anything else. He said, "Ask, I'll give it to you. Seek, you're going to find it. Knock, and that door is swinging wide open." We need that. He comes and actually gives us a guiding principle, and we all know it as we all know it as the golden rule, don't we? Verse 12. Look at that verse. Therefore all things, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye so to them, for this is the law and the prophets, the fulfillment. Now many have described verse 12 as the capstone of the Sermon on the Mount. Well this is described. This is the, this is the pinnacle uh, point of the Christian ethics right here. OK? Now, there are some parallel statements in, in our history. Let me read these to you. Because I want you to know that what Jesus just says stands in stark difference than what others have said. Now listen, i got three statements for you. Rabbi Hillel said this, Whatever is displeasing to you, do not do to your neighbor. Now the book of Tobit it reads this, What thou thyself hatest, to no man do. Confucius said, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Okay. Now what's the difference between those three statements and what Jesus said? The three statements leaves you passive. Jesus takes you to action. Don't do, don't do, don't do. Jesus says, if you want them to do this to you, you do this to them. That is the difference between these three and what Jesus said. Jesus' statement is the only one that takes you to a sacrificial action. That's what Jesus is saying. And so if you practice what Jesus is saying, you will refuse. You will absolutely refuse to do anything that is harmful to the body of Christ. You will refuse it. That is the line in the sand. You will not cross. How many of you have crossed it? Dear friends, if you believe verse 12. We've already, this echoes what we've, already, what we've already preached, right? It'll be shaken down, pressed together, running over. This is coming back to you, whatever you've given to me. And he's echoing this, but he's wrapping it up in one verse. Right? The principle prevents us from becoming proud and critical. How many of you can become proud? I'll raise both hands and both feet. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a child of God, but I still, got to, I still have to fight the flesh. I can become proud. I can become arrogant. I can become very critical and pick everybody apart but myself. I can become that kind of person. But if I'm going to practice this truth, if I'm, and the only way you're going to practice this truth consistently is you've got to be surrendered to the Spirit and not your flesh. Okay? You've got to block out what the world's telling you to do and receive what the Spirit is telling you to do. You're going to find yourself actually releasing the love of Jesus wherever you go when you practice verse 12. And how many of you would say the world needs the love of Jesus? Amen. Now listen to me. The love of Jesus is not a passive love. You agree? Because he did go to the cross and rise again. It's not a passive love. It is a love of action. So Jesus says, if you want them to do this to you, you do that to them. Now, that's speaking relationship between man and man. Now, let me just give you a little, uh, a little side thought. This just humor me. Everything that Jesus has provided, he provides to his children regardless, right? When you become a born-again Christian... You, you have his provisions, the, the fruits of the Spirit. All the things he has is there the day you were born again, all right? So Jesus loves you as much then as he does now, okay? Nothing you could do could make Jesus love you more, okay? You're his child. Now, but just humor me. What if what Jesus provided you, mercy, forgiveness, long suffering, many things, what if that hinged upon what you first did? To him. Dishumor me. What would we have in return? Because the reason I say that is a lot of times we, we take in all this great um, heavenly wealth from the Lord. He provides us as a loving father and it's always there. But then we give him so much less We'll quit on him. We'll become unfaithful. We'll allow our emotions to guide us. And we'll give ourselves back over to some sins that have never done anything for you but bring death and darkness. But you'll let people drive you out of serving God. You'll let what they've done to you push you out of serving God as if you served them more than you serve God. But dear friend, no. Folks, we love him because he first loved us. What Jesus provided has no, it does not hinge at all at what we first gave him. That's the remarkable thing about the love of Jesus. Jesus has given us all of himself, but not because we gave ourselves first to him. That's why Jesus is, is so amazing. He gave us himself so that we may come to him and receive him. But I just thought about that this week as I was looking at this text. What if, and it's not true, but... If what I got from Christ was hinged on what I first did for him, thinking about this principle. Folks, we need to wake up and be thankful to God for what he gives us. When I say wake up, I mean live for him. Follow him. Take up your cross and follow him. But let's look at something else. The last thought. God has wisdom for us. All right. And uh, we need it. And when we come on to these next two things, there's two ways and two teachings. And this, again, is just going to echo and really elevate this thought that we need to go to God and ask for wisdom. Seek wisdom, knock, and and, and, and get it from Him. Why? Because there's two ways. Okay? Um, So let's look at that. Uh, Real quick, how many of you are thankful? How many of you are thankful that Jesus here in this text is turning down the noise of the world for a moment for you and teaching you the truth. Aren't you thankful for that? That the Word of God does that. allows you to mute the world and it elevates truth for you to hear. It's the power of God's Word. Jesus is speaking truth here about two ways. Now, what's the big deal about these two ways? Well, notice the destination of these two ways. Um, you come on down to verse 13. Enter ye at the straight gate. Okay? For what is the gate, brought us the way that leadeth to what? You tell me. Destruction. Many there'll be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto what? And few there be that find find it. So you look at these two ways. And we need to establish here one way is to life. And one way is to destruction. Right? That's huge. Would you agree? That's worth meaning, hey, God, I need, I need some wisdom, you know, to discern between these two paths. Because listen to me, the world really knows how to make the broad way look like the narrow way. The world's good at that. The devil's good at that, making you think the broad way's the narrow way. But Jesus says, there is a narrow way and there's a broad way, and I'm going to show you and lead you to it. But you've got to decide which path you're on. You really do. Why is this so difficult? Why is this so di- Jesus tells us. You ever said that as a parent? I'm already saying that, but I've got to show my boys a little more grace. They're two in one, you know. Why can't you just hear what I'm saying and just do what I'm telling you to do, you know, as Henry runs from me to do what he still wants to do instead of listening to what his daddy say, you know. But I think about this, Jesus saying, here's the path to life, here's the path to destruction, and I'm telling you by the love of my heart, as a... As, as a As a a hen wants to gather her chicks, right? Take the narrow road. Go to the narrow gate. That's where life is. But why is it so hard for us to enter, get on that path, and enter that gate? Why is it so hard? Jesus tells us. Why is it so hard? Because the world, this narrow path and this narrow gate um, to the world would not make the top ten most sought-out destinations. It just wouldn't make the top ten list. It don't have the criteria for it. So it's not a pleasing thing to the world that you've been living in up to this point. It's not popular. It's not going to be advertised. It's not gonna, it's, the world's not going to you know, give you reasons at all to follow this path. And, and really, this is the path um, that the majority will not take. Hey, if You, you remember uh, back in school, maybe you are in school. Maybe you're, you know. How many, how many times were you had more of a tendency... To follow the majority. Well, I don't want to be the odd man out. Right? I've seen, seen kids do that. I did that growing up, right? And it's just, you just, you know, follow, follow the, the majority. I want to be with the majority. Because the majority is always right, right? No, it's, it's not. But you're going to find this broad road to this destruction is a, a, is a well-trodden down road. Uh, path. It is, it is the one the majority takes. And the reason the majority takes this path is because to enter in the narrow gate, you can't enter it in the way you are. Now you can come to that path as you are, right, and be changed by Jesus and enter into that gate. But you have to be changed. And you can only be changed by Jesus Christ by repenting of my unbelief, my sin, and confessing and believing depending faith on Christ alone because He paid my debt on the cross and He rose again to give me life. But the world does not want to change. The flesh does not want to change. I don't want to go down that path. You see, entering life is a way that is narrow, lonely, and costly. Amen? Why, why would you say that? Follow the life of Jesus as he was going to your provision of salvation, which was the cross. How lonely did he get? He was the only one left. The ones that said he loved him ran from him. It was lonely. That, that was his path. It was narrow, right? He had to go to the cross as the only way to pay the debt. And it was costly. It cost him his life. And so, dear friend, if we're going to come to Christ and receive him as Savior, there's one path and one path alone, and it's the path to Christ. But it's, it's narrow. It's lonely. Why is it narrow? Because Jesus is the only way. There are no other ways. No baptismal no priest, no pope, no preacher, no anybody has paid your debt other than Jesus. No one. No one. It's lonely because the world will hate you. Jesus says they hated me. They're going to hate you. Not because they hate you, because you follow me. Right? And so it's narrow, it's lonely, and it's costly. You can't keep your sin and the appetites of your sin. You can't keep your worldliness. you may say, well, that's asking a lot for for me to give up. Really? What did that ever do for you spiritually? But keep you blind and keep you in darkness. It's done nothing. Don't believe the lie of the devil. It's never done anything for you. But Jesus says, I will take you, oh my goodness, I will take you from darkness into light. I will take you from death to life. He's the only one person that can do that. And dear friend, listen to me, you need the wisdom of God to run to Jesus. You won't do it on your own. You won't. That's the reason the Bible says that Jesus takes the initiative. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The Holy Spirit does his drawing thing, right? The word's preached, the word is shared, and the Spirit uses the word and uh, reveals to you your sin and his salvation. Now you see the two roads. Now you see the, the joy of going to Christ. But will you go to him? That is where you must decide. God gives his wisdom to Lost individual and saved individual. Those to, so they may come to Christ and believe. And so those that will live sacrificially for their Savior until, they, until he calls his children home. You may say, what's well, a good indicator that I've entered the right gate? So that's a pretty good question. It, how do I know, Brother Josh, that I've entered the right gate? How can I have assurance? Well, here's a question for you. Um, did your past profession lead you to sacrifice? Did your past profession lead you to sacrificial living? Did you sacrifice anything? Did you leave anything behind? If you did not, if you're still just living in your sin, you're just going on about your way, as they would say, living the easy Christian life. Listen to me, dear friend, there is not an easy Christian life. It don't exist. There's there's either a life in Christ and for Christ... Or a life for me and my sin. There's not an in-between. Some, and not only, God, only God knows the heart, but some will say, hey, I got saved. And you never see him follow Christ at all. That's a problem. That's a problem. There's one Christian life. And it's one that's dead to the world and alive to Christ. I'm not saying you don't mess up. I mess up. I make mistakes. Yes, but my dear friend, my heart is for Christ. Ultimately, I make mistakes. John says, ask forgiveness of your father. He'll forgive you. And I do that. Folks, you can't walk two roads at the same time. Right? We had our men's breakfast, and I'm trying to hurry. And I gave the illustration about, uh, you ever seen a, a, um, an acrobatic uh, horse rider? They're, they're, they're amazing to watch. Um, they'll have two horses a lot of times. And they'll get to this point where they've got one foot on one. And one foot on the other. You ever watch them do that? And they're just making strides, right? But humor me. There's a point those horses are going to get further apart. And you got to decide which horse you're going to get on. Right? Jesus is like, come my way. I'm the only one that can give you life. I'm the only one that can give you the abundant life. I'm the only one that can promise you heaven. I'm the only one that can can give you an escape out of hell and out of the clutches of the devil. I'm the only one that can do that. Peter Marshall said we are like people all suited out in deep sea diving gear. Marching bravely to pull out plugs and bathtubs. Talking to the Christians for a second, right? We're we're, we're brave. We're going to dive deep for Jesus. We're going to dive deep in his word. We're going to dive deep in our faith. But we're just going to sit in the bathtub. Got all this scuba gear on, right? We are given the armor of God. We are given the fruits of the Spirit. We're given all the things we need to dive deep in Christ. But then we're just satisfied with a bathtub. Is that you? Bishop Fulton Sheen said, The difference between a river and a swamp is that the river has borders and the swamp has none. The river is deep and going somewhere. There's borders. There's decisions. Swamps, just everything come in. and Just sitting there, right? What are you, a river or a swamp? Dear friend, listen to me, and I'm going to get to the two trees, and I'm done. The only way you can be your most truest to your best yes to Christ, your yes to Christ, the only way you can do that is if you say no to other things. The only way you can be true to your yes yes to Christ is to say no to other things. Now, as we end here, these two trees he talks about, and I'll try to just really condense this. Jesus, folks, listen. Jesus is spending his time teaching about life, new life, and the abundant life, wisdom, wisdom. The safe places where you can be as a believer, trusting God and asking Him for wisdom, His provision, all of these things. But listen, He's saying, you won't always have true teaching around you. We won't always be right here in just this moment where I'm keeping you safe in this true teaching. There's tendencies and vulnerabilities of false teaching coming to you. The devil's good at that. And really the most dangerous place that he is talking about is coming within. Wolves and sheep's clothes. That means people that make their way within, we'll say in, 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 like today, will be coming in to the church. Ravening wolves. so oh, they look like a sheep, but they have got an agenda to tear you apart and tear you down. That's why a pastor must take his job very seriously and make sure the flock is protected. Amen. And true teaching is there. And that's why I want to encourage your Christian, you've probably got other preachers you listen to that are far better than me, I know. But listen to me, they may not always tell you the truth. And don't always take my word for it either. God, show me what's true and what's not. Seek, right? Ask, seek, and knock. The Bereans, Bereans, they proved whether what was said was true or not. Folks, false teaching could lead you into, into, a, into a place in your Christian life where you're filled more with worry and anxiety, thinking that there's just, life's coming to an end. Just all these things that can start flooding your mind. Then, then instead of living in the power of God through Christ, which is your Savior, folks, don't trade the wealth, wealth of, of true knowledge about God for a false, for a false truth. It robs you of peace and joy as a believer. So folks, when you're on YouTube next time looking up some some teaching and preaching, dear friend, you better make sure it's true. When you listen to other preachers or what, you better make sure it's true. Not just motivational speaking, which that has its place. I'm talking about true teaching. Dear friend, you're sacrificing so much. Jesus says, I'm pouring out my truth to you. Because I want you to have these things in me. But the only way you can have these and live in these is you must believe the truth I'm telling you. The truth shall set you, and you tell me, free. The narrow gate. Listen to me, and I'm done. I want you you to hear me. For a believer or a teacher to be in the narrow gate, right? Right? There must be change in their life. The change that Jesus makes. How to know about a, How can I tell the difference between a false and a true teacher? Watch their character. Watch. Watch their fruit. What, just watch. Andy and I've had this conversation about certain works that may pop up here and there. or Something's going on. And, and, my, and Andy's been always good to remind me. She said, just stand back and watch. Just watch. You'll know real quick whether it's a true work of God or just a show of man. It will show itself. Every tree has to bear fruit of its own kind. it has to. So watch, don't 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 go don't get all settled in in one you better watch, give some time, vet it, vet it. I appreciate people that come, in, come into our, our church and been here for a while, and, and they come to the point of saying, hey, we'd like to jump in. We'd like to become members of your church. He said, but we wanted to take time and hear what you had to say about God's word. We wanted to take time to see what was being taught back in the classroom. We wanted to take time and actually feel the spirit of the people of this church. Is this real, or is it just a facade? Is it true, or is it false? That's the Christians we need. Amen? Because the truth that sets you free is the ch- same truth you need to take out there for others to be set free. Don't trade the truth for lie. Folks, we need the wisdom of God today. Amen? So, we're going to have an imitation. How much are you leaning into the wisdom of God with your life, with what's going on, with what you're doing, your responsibilities? How much? Are you taking to God and say, God, show me, teach me, lead me, tell me what to do? Or are you just doing your own thing? Doing my own thing seems to be easier. Easy is not better. Sometimes the hard things are the better things for God's glory and let your light shine before men.